Welcome to today's episode of The Square. I'm beyond excited to have Jeff Hofer, former creative director for Corgan Media Lab and current marketing director for Panini. And you, you it's marketing director for a specific, is it collectibles? Well, Brandon, thank you for having me on the show. Yes. Uh, it, it's technically hobby marketing director. Okay. But it's a corny title, so I've unofficially gotten rid of the hobby part of it. There you go. And just call because I'm the only marketing director. Yeah. So why qualify it? You're not taking over anyone else's job. I'm taking that place over. So here's what we're going to do in today's episode. Uh, you know, this curious conversation because curious conversations happen with non-Corgan employees, and you're not a Corgan employee anymore. So we get to have this uh, curious conversation. Will you guys have me back. We miss you. Let me tell you. Gosh, I miss. But this I, place. I wanna, I wanna talk a little bit about your backstory. And then there's no one else I'd rather have a conversation about storytelling in general about. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about the backstory, act one of Jeff Hofer's life, the <laughs> biopic. Um, tell me a little bit. All right. Ages one to ten. What what was ages one to ten like? And, and really what I'm wondering is, is did you have you kind of always had that creative bent or was it something that developed later? Well, there was a lot of detention. Yeah. There was a lot of sitting in the corner. Uh, no, I honestly, thinking about like uh, how I started on a creative path, yeah. if you will, was I, I, I think back to when I was in grade school and I, I kid you not, and this will not surprise anybody, I was <laughs> called weird a lot. People were like, Jeff, you're so weird. And like, as if it was a compliment. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, they definitely didn't mean it as a compliment, but it was because little kids don't understand genius when they see it. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm not, I promise you, I have a healthy opinion of myself. Only, let's, let's only occasionally down. genius. Yeah, thank you. This is already going off the rails here. Um, I, so I was just called weird a lot. Yeah. Like I would do things, people like, that's so weird. Why would you do that? I'm like, I don't know. It's just, I thought it was the right thing to do. And at a certain point, I think uh, it, it, I started hearing the term like, oh, that's a creative idea. Yeah. Or it was like they substituted creative for, for what weird. was weird. <laughs> and, and I think they kind of became interchangeable at a certain point in time. And then I, I understand, because let me tell you, being called weird as a little kid, you're like, well, that can't be good. Whatever I did, it, I probably did it wrong. Um, but I was just, I heard it so often that I was kind of, whatever. So when someone calls you like that's creative, you're like, yeah. Ooh, kind of like the sound of that. Yeah. And so, uh, I think there was kind of a transition there and I, you know, it was, it was usually referring to, you know, something like I wrote or, you know, instead of doing a, uh, a speech in class, I wanted to do a poem or yeah. write a song or something, something weird. <laughs> <laughs> you mean creative? And so yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it, I don't know. It's just, it's all in how it's all in perspective. I so how did that translate into high school years? Yes. So uh, I was the kid that would always do a video report mm -hmm. versus doing a presentation in class. Um, I, 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 would write, <laughs> I would write poetry uh, in English class about my friends, like goofing on them and end up getting okay scores <laughs> when I was just having fun. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know, like I... I really was into into movies and uh, acting and it, it, a bunch of random stuff. When you live in Kansas, yeah, that seems a little atypical. Now, I um, I I heard 
that your dad um, called you a cartoon character. Give, <laughs> give me the backstory on that. Gosh, uh, just being a hyperactive kid doing weird things. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm sure, because I see it in my own son these days. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old. Fox is amazing. And, Don't well, you dare. Thank you. But he's kind of a cartoon <laughs> character himself. So, you know, I, I, I asked my dad uh, after I had my own son about yeah. that incident. And I mean, it it wasn't an isolated incident. I was called cartoon <laughs> character a lot. Uh, yeah, I think it's just I was I was very hyperactive and very yeah. energetic, and uh, he just saw me as as a character. And you, you know, the funny part is, is I, I don't I wouldn't necessarily have guessed that about you. Certainly, the creativity and and especially in the writing. But, you know, you, especially when, when you were here for, it was eight years, right? Seven, eight uh, years? Seven, yeah. Seven yeah. years. It was, you were kind of the calming force in a lot of our creative meetings. Yeah. Um, and so that's interesting to hear how that kind of evolved. You got to harness that energy yeah. and, and wait for your moment. And then you and then just spaz out. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about college. So college, I, uh, <laughs> I, wanted, to go, I wanted to go to film school. Mm -hmm. uh, but my parents told me, there's an, I was fortunate enough for my parents to pay for my college. Yes. I should, I should mention that. Thank you, mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they were like, there's no way we're going to pay for a degree you'd never use. Yeah. Like film. No, <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. So then I'm scrambling, trying to find whatever, like kind of cool, creative type of bit. My, my parents are like, you're a salesman. Like, okay, <laughs> all right, well, let me look in the school of business uh, and, and marketing was there. And it was yeah. like marketing international business was, was my focus. And uh, I liked that because I got some advertising classes as well. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up getting a marketing degree, which is ironic since I'm in a marketing position now. So is that, is, is college kind of where your creative passion began to kind of actually take some form into something that could be a career or something that would put food on the table? Yes. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it, 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 it was, it was framed that way. So I got okay. out of college and my first job out of college was a marketing assistant. Okay. And I'm like, man, all I really want to do is work in film and TV. <laughs> but again, my parents, I, I'm, I grew up in the Midwest. Like yeah. my, my dad is former military, like a very structured uh, household growing up. And so I'm like, I've got to, I've got to continue this path. I just got this marketing degree, so I need a marketing job. And so I interned for this, um, this uh, like weekly uh, arts magazine called the Met Magazine in Dallas. Okay. Yep. And I, I, I interned uh, the summer prior to my graduation. I graduated, and they offered me a job, so I started as a marketing assistant there. Well, three months after working at the Met, they were bought out and closed down by our competitor, oh, no. the Dallas Observer. I'm and, vaguely uh, familiar with yeah, Dallas Observer. Yeah, you probably heard of Dallas Observer. <laughs> um, so anyways, I was like, this is a sign. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm going to go all in on this. Like, I gave this proper business <laughs> work a try. Now I'm, I'm going to try my own thing. So um, I, I got a job at Bally's Total Fitness <laughs> opening. I, I was like the first ship there. I would open it up, and then I would go to, like, acting class. Yep. And so I did that for about six months to save money to move to LA. And I moved to LA and pursued acting and writing full time. And, and you, I mean, not just acting and writing, you've acted, you've written, you've directed, you've creative directed, which, you know, there's a big difference between those two things. There's 
there's this kind of this thread of storytelling throughout. Is that is what is it about story that you keep coming back to? It's weird because I, growing up, I specifically remember my dad and his friends telling the greatest stories. They would each like take turns and inevitably they would tell the same stories over and over again. Right. It was like each, <laughs> we, we would wait a year and they would reset and they'd tell the same stories again. Um, but I always loved these stories and, you know, whether it involved my dad or, or, you know, somebody they knew or whatever it was, I loved it. And I was just captivated that by that. And my dad is also a movie lover. So mm -hmm. we started watching movies early on. And I, I just got to this point where I love the idea that I could affect someone yeah. with a world that I created completely out of thin air. Yeah. And it just seemed so magical to be able to put something down on paper that you slide over to someone and maybe they laugh, maybe they cry, maybe they're, maybe they tense up, yeah. you know, whatever it is, but you've, you've essentially created something that wasn't there before and it is taking this person on a journey and i, I just love that idea and, and really comedy was was and is my my main love in that i think laughter is wonderful it's a cure i feel like when i'm having bad days if i get one good laugh in like it can yeah. turn everything around and that's such a powerful thing to For be sure. able to then apply that to other people that may be having a bad day you know, you, you go out to L.A., you move out there, you start this career in, in acting and writing. I'm sure that there were some um, rejections and challenges no, along that path. No. Are there any that stand out that kind of shaped how you approach the creative process now? You know, I, <clears throat> I, I will say this. When I was in L.A., there was uh, there was a big movement amongst like independent film, and it was to kind of create your own opportunities. Like, uh, you know, popular example like Owen Wilson and uh, and Luke Wilson making Bottle Rocket, right? And of course Ben Affleck and Matt Damon doing Good Will Hunting, and and I really L.A. is it will just chew you up and spit you out. And what I hated most about uh, the whole hustle in LA while I wouldn't would I, I would do it again in for a heartbeat sure. because I think it was important um, I hated waiting for my phone to ring mm. and so I got to the point where I'm like I'm going out for these auditions and the scripts are horrible yeah like I know I could write something better than this um, and and like I, I've got a vision so I think I can I can help create these films or TV or, or video or whatever it is so you know, I think the biggest turning point for me in LA was after my 157th rejected audition or whatever <laughs> it was. Uh, I mean, you face a lot of rejection. I will say being an actor in LA does toughen your skin. So yeah. like interviewing or auditioning now is like a piece of cake because I'm assuming there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> um, it really, the idea of creating your own opportunities and if there's something you really want, like do what you can to make it happen and surround yeah. yourself by talented people. And LA is littered with incredibly talented unemployed people. Yeah. So like you don't have to look far to find great people to collaborate with. So were, while you were in LA along that line, is that when you started occasionally genius products repped here? Wow. <laughs> look at this guy. Because that, that really brought in a lot of that business <laughs> side of it, there right? There's a LaCroix under the table for you. <laughs> Uh, and, and two, there's, I won't talk about the one. It better I tried be black jazzberry. 
Um, so I started, I, I was in LA for uh, eight years, wait, six, I'm sorry, six years. And then I moved back to Dallas. I moved back to Dallas. Uh, well, first I came back to Dallas to produce a movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I was also one of the actors in it. And I happened to meet this really pretty leading lady yes. uh, during the auditions who... I'm really hoping this is the same lady I'm thinking about. Otherwise, I'm going to get a phone call from your wife. <laughs> right. Her name was Jessica Alba. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Her name was my wife, Hillary. Yes. And so we cast her as the lead in a movie that I that a buddy of mine. So if you want to follow this, yeah. a, a, a director friend of mine in Dallas was directing a movie. I came back from L.A. to help produce this movie for him. Yeah. And was also an actor in it, and we cast my current wife, yes. at the time, uh, single Hillary Kennedy, as our lead. And so, you know, the, the movie was horrible, but she was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I ended up moving back here like six months later because I was blown away by how, how much production was going on in Dallas. Yeah. So I'm like, if I can be, my parents were still in Kansas at the time, if I can be seven hours away from them... And, you know, have the cost of living you have in Dallas versus Los Angeles. For sure. Like, why not do it if I can do the same things here? So I moved back. I got it. I, I started a web series called Dallywood. Yep. Um, I did that. That landed me a producing job with a company that did branded content, which I worked at for like three years. While I was there, I was doing tons of corporate, corporate branded content. I was like, you know, I would really love to also be able to do some of my own side stuff. So sure. I started uh, a production company called Occasionally Genius, which is essentially me, myself, yep. and I. Uh, but occasionally we get to hire really cool creatives to, to work with us. And and so I've been doing that as just like my side gig that I lean on while I really need a creative outlet for like 11 years now. So I'm curious, There's you know, there's a lot of, of writer directors, mm. but I, and, and, you know, there's also uh, actor writers, but I feel like that's a, that's a little bit more of a minority, but it's a way more interesting kind of path to storytelling because as you kind of said, you were going out for the auditions, you were getting these really horrible scripts that you knew could be better, but you were able to tackle it from an actor's point of view. Right. Is it you having done acting, writing and directing, is there something that having that acting background gives you a special insight to the writing of a story versus a director? Ooh, that's a great question. I, <clears throat> I definitely think I, I look at a script more critically than, than say most writers who have never been on camera yeah. reciting a script just because you've got to think through like, what, how is this going to, how is somebody going to play this? Right. Like how, how is this going to be executed? I don't want to completely take that credit away from writers because I'm sure they consider that. But I, I've had I've seen like everything from wonderful scripts to just garbage. Yeah. And I I think a lot of times what makes a good script is that it it it, it seems very natural for whatever the characters the character setup is. Um, so I will say I think having acting background helps me direct actors because I have that empathy for them, understanding like what it's going to take to get to where they need to get for sure. Kind of what, what, what we have coming up and just kind of helping them prepare. So I do think that that might give me a certain advantage to a director who's never done acting or a lot of acting before. All right. We're going to do something a little bit different. We've never done this on Q 
curious conversations for. We're Am gonna I do having it. to take the shirt off? Now? No, not oh. yet. Not yet. Okay. All right. <laughs> First, we're going to do a lightning round of pictures, and you're going to give me the story behind oh, it. Oh, gosh. Um, now we're going to do like a Rorschach. Okay. <laughs> well, some of them, I, I had a, <clears throat> a, just an immense amount of joy finding these pictures. Okay. And you've not seen any of them yet. Fair enough. So, okay. Luke, go ahead and bring Let up the picture number one begin. for us. Tell me about this young guy. Gosh. <laughs> Who is that kid? That's a, that's, hey, that's a handsome man right there. <laughs> um, this, is, this is an apartment in Deep Ellum. Those were essentially, that was one of the first photo shoots I ever did. Yep. Um, trying to create a comp card, which is embarrassing to admit. <laughs> this is uh, the most I've ever paid for a headshot in LA. <laughs> there was some dude named Bjorn. Bjorn, if you're out there, you, I, I owe you whatever I paid you was, it was worth it because I. I That's a good looking headshot. Thank you. Yeah. I, I I don't know what all touching up he did, but uh, it, you know, it kind of looks like me. You could say that really kicked off the whole LA portion of your career yeah, right there. Yeah, so this is his orange truck. He would have, he had like eight different stations he would walk actors through. It was like a three hour shoot and they were like all around town. Uh, but one was in his orange truck. So I've seen like a dozen other actors <laughs> in the same, same orange, orange truck, truck looking over their shoulder. Uh, oh, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right, what's our next one, Luke? Tell me oh about this one. Cause the, I just, I'm, I'm speechless. I, so I have an affinity for leisure suits and thrift wear. Uh, it, it, okay. So I, I, I don't want to just throw that out without any backstory. <clears throat> when I was in college, we used to, we used to put on leisure suits and go to fraternity parties just because it, we would cause such a stir, like three dudes walking in in a, a suit, Yeah. but just looking ridiculous. And it, it was so much fun. That became our thing. So um, I was friends with the guy that was producing this series and he was like, dude, uh, we were talking about leisure suits one day. He's like, I have this concept while we're pitching something. I want this character to be in a leisure suit. And he's like, would you do it? I'm like, I feel so at home in a leisure suit. Yeah. So yeah. Won't even be a, a challenge. And he asked me to shave everything on my beard except for the mustache, which is a big mistake. <laughs> if you've ever seen me try to grow out a mustache, it's not a pretty sight. So yeah, that, that was that was a series of branded content that they just wrote some character post in. Yeah. All right, our next one. Oh, this one I love. Yes. You look at the, look at how happy you are. Such a spaz. <laughs> I so I had a really good run of beer commercials. <laughs> I because I make this giant grin. Yeah. And just they were just like that guy. That guy's he looks some like he's having a great before. time. Yeah, he yeah. likes beer. <laughs> Um, so this is a Tecante ad that was, they were using that international soccer matches. Um, and I, <clears throat> I had a Jason Hernandez. It is. is. Yeah, it, really? it sure oh is. Yeah. Gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is shot. This is shot locally. That's great. And, uh, and, and yeah, I had a really good run as the beer guy for a long time, which but, money is great if you can take it. But also coming to a future conversation. Uh, you, you've had a close affiliation with sports for a while, particularly in the collectible side of that, things. That is true, man. You turned that corner. I'm, it's coming. It's nice. coming. Nice. All right. All right. Now, this oh, one, man. this is, I mean, if you have a man crush in the world, <laughs> and, and if you're around Jeff for more than uh, a few hours, at some point, he's going to work in a Gary Vee quote. I, well, and I was, I was especially at the peak of my Gary Vee fandom 
he's like a digital marketing influencer for people out there, not like me who aren't obsessed with him. But <laughs> you look up Gary V on online, and you'll find a lot. <clears throat> this was at the National Sports Collectors Convention uh, 2019, and I had yeah. met Gary the year before. He was not as popular in sports cards the year before, so he was just walking around like kind of doing incognito, his own thing, yeah, yeah, incognito. But I knew who he was, yeah. So I cornered him and made him feel uncomfortable for a little bit. But <laughs> um, this, I actually we we finagled. This is Eric Norton with Beckett Media, and so we had an interview with Gary at the 2019 show, which was awesome. It was great to sit down and talk to him about sports cards. Yeah, but Panini badge on. I know. <laughs> well, that so they they are they were the main sponsor of the show. So everybody had everybody badge, had a badge yeah. had a Panini badge. So. Do you feel like a lot of, uh, you know, because again, all joking aside, I think that a lot of the ways that you reference some of the stuff you hear from Gary Vee is is really applicable. He definitely has this entrepreneurial spirit. And yeah. I, I wonder if that, um, you know, speaks to you because of some of the, the training you got in college. Uh, no doubt. I mean, he, his big thing is hustle and yeah. almost to a fault. Like if you were to really follow Gary's, <laughs> Gary's model, I, I, you would, you wouldn't never talk to your friends and family and you would just be working <laughs> be hustling and hustling all day long. Like I, I need a little bit more balance than that. But really I, I loved his DIY outlook on media and content creation and his thing, even though he's a little bit more loose than I would be with my content creation, as far as production quality goes, sure. he, he was doing it right in that he had professionals filming for him. They were using DSLR cameras. They weren't just shooting on iPhone. Right. And uh, he and he may, he used storytelling. Yeah. Back to storytelling, he he wrapped storytelling into his everyday work. And really, his big thing is documenting what he does versus scripting or creating content outside of his daily. Because yeah. he's so busy, he just had somebody follow him around and and film like his interaction with clients. And they do uh, marketing consulting. So Got it was it. good stories. All right, let's go to our next one, Luke. Pack Geek, baby. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Josh Gobin? So this is my buddy, Josh. Uh, and this is an early episode of the reboot of Pack Geek. So I started Pack Geek is a, uh, a video series where I open sports card packs. And it, the idea is that I kind of take the audience on a, 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 a ride on this kind of poor man's treasure hunt yeah. to open sports cards. I started it in 2010, which was really early on for breaking videos. And then I took a little break and I rebooted it in 2017. And this is kind of early on in that reboot stage. But you had, I mean, how many episodes did you have on YouTube? Gosh, I think I have about 170. Yeah. And, and I haven't done it for a while. Thank you. Um, all right. Next one, Luke. <clears throat> We're winding down. Oh, I remember yeah. this day vividly. <laughs> yeah, sir. This So this was, uh, that's Dirk Bentley. Yep. We were on a shoot in Nashville. This was... I will give massive props to the Media Lab. This was a very ambitious shoot. We had like two hours with Dirks. He had a whole squad with him to make sure yeah. we weren't keeping him more than two hours. Agents and managers and, well, and publicists. He, and, I, so it, it, it's not a negative, but the cool part about it, he showed up late to set. But the reason he showed up late to set was because he wanted to take his kids to school because he had been with you two at some awards festival the night before, yeah, had flown home and hadn't gotten to see, put his kids to bed, so he took him to school. And when a guy tells you that, it's like, I don't care who you are, you've got you to gotta roll with that. But 
could not have been any nicer. Uh, oh, he was incredibly nice. He knew Creed Colorado, yep, which is kind of our our little gem in Colorado. Um, but it was it was a perfect example of pre-production yeah. coming in clutch, and the whole day was planned out. We had we had a great crew there, and man, that was. That was, that was probably the most media I've ever executed in like a two-hour window. Yeah, there was a lot going on. And, 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 and different locations. It was it was a lot. But it turned out really good. I was really happy with it. Yeah. All right, next fun. one, Luke. Speaking of Creed Colorado. Creed Colorado, yeah, yeah. So this this is, a, a you know, during the winter, a town of like a couple hundred people. <laughs> and uh, Jeff and I figured out that uh, we had a mutual connection there because yeah. my family has a place up there and your hillary has yeah yeah her mom, family. Her mom lives there yeah yeah and so creed has this natural fondness but you've always been kind of an outdoorsy you like it you're very comfortable being outside I, yeah i i love outdoors what what i love as much as i love modern conveniences and technology i i love being able to get out to creed because you don't get a very good cell signal. Nope. <laughs> it's really hard to find Wi-Fi, and you you're kind of forced to unplug. So if you're somebody that is constantly rapid fire doing doing stuff in your day to day, it's nice to get out there and just you're forced to slow things down, as you know. I think more so now than ever, you have to find those places where you're kind of forced to unplug to be able to recharge a little bit. It's wild that we've gotten to a point where we pay people to like take us off the grid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, go to the next one, Luke. Oh, yeah. There's Hillary and Fox. Sweep the leg. Which I have a special fondness for Hillary because that's how we found you. Hillary and I worked together right. yeah. at a company. And when we were looking for a creative director, especially with somebody that could write, she was like, oh, well, how about my husband? And I was like, uh, okay. Because you and I had maybe passively met, but we didn't really know each other. Right, right. And then you came and it was just, it, it clicked really quickly. Um, last but not least... Tell me a little bit about this. <laughs> Shout out, senior producer Adam. <laughs> um, this is the pyramid of athleticism. I upside I, down pyramid uh, of thank athleticism. You, thank you. <laughs> that needs to be qualified. Um, I actually got to see as this was being installed, and saw a lot of fun. And I can't tell you how many hours of time was wasted during these <laughs> debates of who's an athlete and who's not. But uh, I, I do. I do give Adam credit for being so passionate about this. Ninja Assassin, there's a really good yeah, chance you yeah. put that on there unapproved. That, it's, it's, that looks like Adam. my handwriting. <laughs> Very possible. This still needs to be made into a documentary. Oh my gosh, yeah. What is an athlete? Let's do this. Well, um, so what let's. Guys, what are you guys doing now? You know, or later? Just, we'll, we'll have good drinks. Okay, we'll okay talk cool. about it. Okay. Um, I have to. I have to ask because Adam has sent me a question. Is that really the Kansas State motto? I'm not. I'm not sure what that's supposed to relate to, Adam. Is that really? Is, was there an image? Did I miss it? We're not cutting any of this. Go, go ahead and bring Adam on out. Can we get Adam out here? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Is that really? Oh. <laughs> no, no. So my, my T-shirt says, I'm sure they're bringing this up full screen yes. right now. But Kansas, it's not that bad. <laughs> And I, having grown up in Kansas, graduating from Kansas State, um, I, 
Kansas is great. I love Kansas is a lot like Creed, Colorado, mm. in that it's a good place to go to slow things down <laughs> and unwind. A little bit slower pace. Yeah, exactly. Like no one's really in a you, hurry in Topeka. But we haven't really talked about the Kansas City sports team because you are an avid Kansas City. Chiefs. I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up uh, as a Royals fan, a Chiefs yep. fan, and fortunately, they've uh, won both won a couple of uh, championships over the last few years. So that's cool. Well, I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about storytelling in general, because yeah. having been in, you know, uh, the foxhole, as it were, with you in some of these projects where it's one o'clock in the morning, and we're having to try and be creative. Um, I think that you have a, an incredibly uh, strong and unique perspective on storytelling in general. Um, you know, we I, I'm curious, when was when was the first time that you thought of yourself as a storyteller? Uh, gosh, probably college when I started writing like more long form stuff. Uh, I mean, we, we, we had creative, creative story sure. writing in, in high school in English class. Um, but I think I, I really, in college, I was actually doing that just in my spare time right. for fun. So I would say, uh, that was probably when I was, uh, when I considered myself a storyteller, yeah. if you will. Well, and I think it's interesting because there's, you know, there, there's, you can be part of the creative process and not take on kind of that 35,000 foot view of telling an overall story. Right. And that's a, that's a different realization than just being a creative or being an artist. Sure. Um, you've, you've, as we talked about before, you've kind of spanned the spectrum of writing and directing and producing and creative directing and um, acting. So what is it about the creative process that keeps you engaged? Oh, man. Well, I, you know, when it comes to character work, I, I love the idea of just not being yourself. Yeah. You can do whatever you do as long as it's true to that character. So that, that's kind of fun. Um, I love playing bad guys. That's, I, <laughs> really? I, I love, I love the idea of playing a bad guy. It's most actors, you ask them and they will say if they had the, the chance to be like the, the hero or the bad, exactly. Yeah. They would choose the bad guy just because it's a juicier part and it's, it's most likely less like them than the mm. the positive yeah. character. Huh. So do you have you is there a bad guy that stands out that you've I mean any played? Bond villain would be really fun to play, oh. but yeah. I I guess I don't have a go to bad guy in my head, but uh, I won't put you on the yeah. spot, but I really want to know what your Bond villain name would be. <laughs> oh man. We may have to beef that one out. <laughs> So what do you do when you hit those dry spells? You know, when you're when you're staring at the blank page or you've been up for 36 hours straight, yeah. you've done something like Nashville where, you know, we were we had multiple days, long days of production, and you still have to be able to kind of turn on those creative juices. What do you do? Well, I so I know a lot of people will look for inspiration. Watch watch movies or, or you know some sort of content creator. They like I honestly try to do the opposite. I try to clear everything. So if I hit like a creative wall, I'll, I'll go for a walk. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, I'll literally like sit down, close my eyes, and not think about anything. I feel like a creative wall is nothing more than just some thoughts that are getting in the way of you finding what you want to find. So I just try and clear everything. Yeah. Is there when you have in terms of kind of clearing your mind, I feel like all day long, even without trying, there's constantly ideas popping in. And the overwhelming majority, especially for me, are just bad ideas. They can just be flushed. <laughs> right. 
But but when you're trying to think through the creative or the story on a project, and even more so when you're working with other creatives and collaborating, how do you kind of filter those ideas to get to the, the diamond in the rough, if you will? Yeah, I, I feel like it's good to just get everything out. Mm. And uh, j just to get it out because, you know, sometimes you have an idea in your head and it seems it seems like gold in your head and then you talk through it with a group and you're like that's that's garbage please disregard that but i had to i had to purge that yeah uh but i really feel like if you're in a brainstorming session or you're just pitching concepts y you know and everybody in the room knows when that that idea comes out it it's if it if it takes a ton of polishing or it takes like a, a complete makeover it wasn't the right idea hmm. You know, it's those really good ideas. It usually stops people in their tracks. It clicks. And yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you'll get it, and you you've seen it a million times. Like it, it's almost like it. You when you hear something and you think, why didn't I think of that? Or yeah. it's so simple. Is it? Why is it so simple? But would that work? A lot of times, like the best ideas is really simple and really close to where you're at. Yeah. It's just a little a little path off off where you're going currently like potentially an ampersand with a word on a card yeah <laughs> to show amazon why we want them <laughs> oh, to move man. to dallas <laughs> oh man that was fun <laughs> we'll yeah. put that link down in the description <laughs> <laughs> with things going increasingly digital and i think this is particularly apropos for for the job you're in now um are you finding how are you finding that balance between the physical and the digital so you you know you Panini is at its core a, a physical collectibles company Correct. and you've got NFTs and other things that you're you know kind of navigating through what is that how does that balance work um, well so I will say this it, Panini is really trying to warm collectors up to the idea of uh, being open to a digital asset that's yeah. not there but it's hard to replace having a physical card in your hand you know like one of the biggest aspects of trading cards, certainly when I was growing up, was trading with your friends. Yeah. And, you know, just showing up, put them in binders. And th there's just something very special yeah. about opening a pack of cards and having that treasure hunt. And while you open packs the of NFTs The unexpected nature of wondering like, what's yeah, in the pack. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like we have packs now that have autographs in them. It's yeah. crazy. Like if you told little Jeff that... I was going to be able to open packs of cards and they would have like a player's autograph immediately on the card. Like I had to try to track baseball players down after the game or during batting practice and get them to autograph cards there. Yeah. Uh, and that was like the only way to get an autograph. But now you open up a pack of cards and you can get a player's autograph there. Well, at, at the risk of being shamelessly self-serving, did you, did you bring any <laughs> packs for us? You know the answer to this. <laughs> I have a pack right here. And you know what? This is, uh, so this is, Contenders Optic. So this is 2021. We're a little bit behind. Yeah. Thank you for the supply chain. Uh, <laughs> 2021 Contenders Optic Football. This is it's football. So nice. just a little background. Contenders Football is one of the most popular football releases that Panini does. And just for football collectors everywhere, they know Contenders. Yeah. This is a Chrome version of that product. So these are small. So this is a hobby box. This only has this has one pack in it. Like when I was growing up, that's a, a huge box, box would have for one pack. Yeah, a box, <laughs> a box would have thirty six packs in it. This has one pack. This only has six cards in it, but there are two autographs on average in this pack. Okay, so, all right. Are these like 
printed autographs or these real autographs? These are real autographs. Real autographs. And, and professionals use their teeth open back. Yeah. <laughs> I will say my son, who's seven, about to be eight, and he was with some friends and uh, we hadn't really talked. Like I hadn't brought out my baseball card collection out of the attic yet. And he was, he was like, dad, I got these like Pokemon cards. Like, and yes, I will steer him back towards sports, That's but okay. regardless, he was so excited to have these physical elements and getting to open packs. And so there's, I think there's something to being able to open these, these cards and the, the discovery aspect of it. Right. Okay. So I don't, I don't know how you want to do this. We get, we get six cards in here. There's likely two autographs in there. All right, we're going to see. So we've got, walk, you know what? Walk me through a Pat Geek episode. Oh, all right. Well, uh, I don't usually put them out in front of me like this, but <laughs> I'm doing this because you guys have a cool camera here. So this, that's a good sign. It's turned over upside down, so it probably has an oh, autograph man, on it. look at that. So this is Trayvon uh, Morig. I don't know. Don't hold me to that pronunciation. But in this, I was checking to see if it's numbered, but that is a rookie ticket. That is a very popular oh, card in the set. So I another rookie Wallace. ticket. Tomorrow. Wait, was it significant that it was turned backwards? Does that mean they slipped it in there? No, that's just to let you know you're coming up on an autograph. Nice. But it's, it's a good sign if you see a card turned over. So um, so this one, I don't know if you guys can see that, but it's serial numbered there. This is a, a one out of 175. So there's only 175 but of these. Hard. This Aaron Jones season tickets and then this one this looks like a cool parallel so i'm guessing it's a little bit lower numbered i'm further into the camera yeah, i got it there you okay go. so this is numbered out of 30 probably can't see that because it's really small because oh, like the one boston yeah, yeah. yeah 29 29 out of, 30. out of 30 yeah exactly so so this is we just opened a hobby box of cards yeah again when i was growing up these hobby boxes had 36 cards on them I but remember most that, of like them the tops yeah and yeah exactly Andres, yeah that most of them were Commons. I mean, frankly, these yeah. that's one thing they do now is they put more, we put more value in boxes. So yeah. you've got, got, you've got player autographs, you have limited edition cards. Um, it, this is essentially the, the fail safe that the, the card companies have done. So there wouldn't ever run into the overproduction of cards issue yeah. that we ran into in the early 90s. Got it. Well, thank you for bringing us to Pac Man. That's yeah, awesome. Man. Did you just call me Pac-Man? Yeah, Pac-Man, Pac-Geek. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I have some cards for the boys, too. I'm gonna leave I will take yeah. them, and they will yeah. be very excited. All right, let's talk a little bit more about story. Tell me, what's a story you haven't tackled yet but really want to? Oh, man, there's a lot of stories. I, I have a lot of scripts that will most likely never see the light of day. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple that I would love to do. I, I have an 80s tennis comedy. I feel like no one has done that very specific genre does, well. Does, does one of the actors potentially have a leisure suit in their future? <laughs> I mean, why not? Yeah, yeah, but we can, we, we can do that. Uh, by the way, uh, TM on that concept. Uh, let's see. I There are a few. I, I, I really want to do a fun like horror comedy but yeah. the, again these are these are like feature film ideas so i'm probably a long way from you know having the ability to make my own feature films sure. that's a very expensive <laughs> venture as you know yeah so uh but yeah i there's there's a lot of stories that yeah. i would love to get out there and share with people um i'm curious is there so gary v is off the table okay for this okay. next part. okay um, but is there a creative or somebody that you found inspirational that you'd love to sit down and have a beer with? 
Mm. Or grape juice or yeah, I mean, I water. <laughs> I I think I, if I stay with with the the film theme, I would probably say John Hughes, even though R.I.P. John yeah. Hughes. Uh, if I can say anybody, uh, John probably John Hughes, just because he essentially wrote and directed my childhood and movies, yeah. <laughs> and I just I I love that kind of that feeling and tone that he was able to capture with those those just classic movies. Yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, that your dad was, you and your dad were both really yeah. good movies. Do you remember the first movie, or what was the first movie you remember going to with yeah. your dad? Well, I'll tell you, uh, the first, let's just go there. The first R-rated movie I saw <laughs> was with my parents at the theater. It was Police Academy number one. Okay. <laughs> which, yeah, it's kind of a loose R rating. It wasn't that bad. Not not from today's standards. But it You're was still hilarious. a couple years from taking Fox, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. To like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hillary, if you're listening, none of that has happened. Uh, so, yeah, I do remember a lot of movies. And he, I remember a lot of weekends. And we would still, we still do when I visit my folks. We'll just yeah. sit down and watch whatever's on. I don't care if it's like you're 50% in a diehard. Like, we're going to sit down and watch the last Finish half it, together yeah. and enjoy it. Like, we, we just love and we laugh at the same jokes and. Uh, yeah, that so he he really he got me very interested in film for a guy who's not not like a creative or a filmmaker by yeah. any means. Do you think it was? Do you? I just I find it interesting that it was a comedy <laughs> that you went and saw them because um, you know especially when you were here you were able to bring a comedic voice to so many of the projects that we got to do that I, I feel like that's really in your wheelhouse. Was it was it at all impactful that it was? A comedy that you Oh, sure. Play? Yeah. I mean, I try and shoehorn comedy into anything, <laughs> anything I can. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, that goes back to kind of the, I, what I love most about storytelling is affecting people, Yeah, being able to put a smile on someone's face and just getting a good laugh. And I'm like, when I was little, I like real little grade school, my, and people would ask me like what I want to do. It was like, I either want to be the president or a firefighter or a stand-up comedian. Yeah. That was kind of the one atypical one that kids don't always throw out there. But uh, A stand-up comedian. I, yeah, I don't know. It was just, I, I love I love making people laugh and, and helping lighten a situation and helping people enjoy their time. Well, and you did, even when you were here, you were doing uh, improv lessons, right? Yes, yeah. So yeah. something that kind of scratched that Right, edge. yeah, graduate of four-day weekend school. There you here. go. Um, what are, what's a nugget of wisdom that you have for other creatives and it can, we'll use broad language. It can be a director, writer, creative sure. director. Uh, I would say don't get frustrated if your idea was not well received. <laughs> um, it, it might take just a minor tweak to get it, to, to get some agreement on it. But yeah. I would say keep pitching. Cause I really feel like. Uh, people get frustrated, and if you haven't gone through 157 rejections as an actor, uh, <laughs> you might like really dread somebody saying, you know, I'm going to pass or this isn't the right one. But just keep keep going for it because it, eventually it's a numbers game. Truly, yeah. that's one thing about our business. Um, it, it really is a numbers game. I feel like if you stick at it and you just continue to hone your craft, sorry to use that word, yeah. Adam Flaws hate me back there for saying that. <laughs> uh, I think if you just keep going at it and getting better and improving what you're doing and maybe bringing different life to your ideas, that eventually they're going to resonate with someone. I'm curious as your as being a dad. Fox is now three, four, three and a half, three yeah. and a half. Yes. Uh, has being a dad changed? 
your your view on life at all. <laughs> you have to laugh sure. at sure. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I try to just laugh at myself more often in situations I'm in because uh, for you parents of a toddler, you know, it's either laugh or cry, <laughs> and sometimes it's embarrassing to cry. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think definitely he's he's helped bring a lot more. Even though I'm, I'm a fairly lighthearted guy, I can be very serious. I can I can be a stressed out person, and he helps me kind of bring perspective. You know, little yeah. kids have a way of looking at something that's stressing you out, being like, "Why do you care? Yeah. You know, why why is that a big deal?" Like, and then you let, realize, let's go play in the sandbox. And then you realize maybe it's not as big a deal as you thought it was. Yeah, and and they're right. Yeah. yeah. They, they they bring kind of a uh, a certain wisdom to those situations. I've had a special request to hear your <laughs> yacht club character. Oh and my gosh. And that's one I'm actually I don't know that I'm familiar with. <laughs> is this Adam? Oh man. This is Adam, it's probably it? Adam or Luke, but uh so I I I I envision this guy having like his uh, V-neck sweater tied around his neck, and yes. and he's uh, he's running around the country club, and um, he, his, his girlfriend's name Buffy. And, <laughs> hey, Buffy, would you like to go see my catamaran? Like he's got really bad. Is this guy in the Hamptons? Yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe. We're we're still fleshing this guy out, but he's always asking people if they want to see his catamaran, and it's like this guy's life is very very unique. And, <laughs> It's, so, it sounds very, very posh. I, I, <laughs> hey, Buffy, would you like to see my catamaran? This may be the only time I've ever done that impression on a podcast. <laughs> on, I'm, I'm on sorry, camera. if I just blew the speakers out. Jeff, I cannot thank you enough for coming. This has been a blast. Uh, I, I'm going to hold you to coming again at some point. We'll, wow. have, we'll have a whole other conversation about... You know your yacht club character and how oh, you finally <laughs> and you finally were able to get your comedy horror movie made. <laughs> we're gonna do the yeah, premiere yeah, right now. Here. You're talking. Now you're talking. Well, I will hold you to that, and I'll be back here next week, same time. Perfect, same time, same bad station. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank, thank you. you for having me. Hey, no, absolutely. You thank you. No, thank you, and thank you for watching. Whether you were watching or listening, uh, I, I cannot overstate enough the importance that uh, Jeff has. Uh, the important role that he's played in getting the square and having it been going on for as long as it's been. So um, it's looking good. Like the, the square is gone next. We're going to be doing an episode to kind of explain the new, the new studio, the new digs here shortly, but thank you for watching and make sure to check us out again next time.